All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to BCC. We're so glad to, to see you this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Chad. I'm the executive pastor here at BCC, and uh, just so glad to be able to bring the word this morning. Um, we are continuing in our series uh, on the story, and if, if you're new, if you're new here, if you're not uh, not aware of what we've been doing with the story, the story is a book a, a pastor uh, put together. Um, he, he took the Bible and he took um, the the main connecting stories out of it, put it together in a, in a narrative novel form, added some of his own narrative to connect the dots, um, not to replace the Bible, but to help us see something about the Bible, and that's this, that from beginning to end, from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, it's one story. It, it connects together over, over three different languages and thousands of years and 66 books and 40 different authors, and it all connects together in one story. We've been going through, we're now in chapter 5 in the story. We've, we've gone through uh, Adam and Eve and, and the Noah and the flood and uh, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and the, the tribes of Israel and the deliverance out of, out of Egypt for Israel. And we find ourselves now with Moses in the desert. Here's, here's the overall change as we've kind of put this together. It's this, that God is the author of the story where he, the creator, pursues the people that he created as they run. Because we run, right, and God pursues. And he's pursuing us as humanity through uh, this new nation that's come about, this nation of Israel. And today we're going to be talking about how this nation gets set apart and how God does that. And as we, as we talk about that, um, uh, I, I want to pray here in a second and we're going to jump into this and, and see how God kind of takes this nation and, and sets it apart for himself. So let's, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, um, we just thank you for the, this, this time that we get to gather together to hear your word, uh, to, to sing songs, to, to worship in so many different ways because you are worthy of all of our worship. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would use these words uh, to convict us, to guide us, to teach us, uh, to comfort us. Uh, we, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in us through this. I pray that these words would be yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, as we think about nations being set apart, uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, there, every nation kind of has their own custom. It, no matter where you live, uh, no matter what nation you grow up in, what uh, culture you grow up, grow up in, when you leave that culture, right? There, there are things you have to get used to about other cultures, right? So I was kind of doing a little bit of research and things like, so in Japan, if you want to show that you're done eating, uh, you finish most of your plate, but not quite all of it. If you sh- eat all of your plate, right? If you do what we've all been taught to do, which is what? Clean your plate. That shows that you want more, okay? So like I would be in trouble, <laughs> So I clean my plate and they put some more, well, now I've got to clean it again. And then, uh, you know, that'd be, I'd be in a bad spot. No, uh, you, you want to eat enough to show that you like it, but you want to leave a little bit that shows that you're done. Okay. Uh, kind of continue the food thing in, in many, many, many countries, tipping the food service people. So waiters, waitresses, anybody that does that, tipping them is considered rude. We do that here in America, but in many places, uh, they feel like they pay their employees well and the, and the employees feel like they are paid well and that they're doing the job they're paid to do and they take pride in that. And tipping them is not considered um, polite. Um, 
Americans, we are loud, right? So as I've talked to different people who come from different places, and, and they agree. And I've read, read some stories about it that we are loud in America. We do things like if we see someone across the room, right, what do we do? Hey, well, you know, you're, that, that's a connection that we make sometimes. I get elbowed by my wife because I'll see a friend. I'm like, yo, hey, you know, and everyone's looking around. We do that. It's not necessarily bad or good. We're just very boisterous, enthusiastic kind of people, right? Not everybody is. Um, in China, this, I think this is fun, funny. You know, if you, here in America, typically if you slurp your food, uh, your mom's probably going to go, right, you know, just a little quick thump. In China, that's how you eat your noodles. You slurp them, right? I'm like, that'd be kind of fun to do. I'm just, just going to say that, right? Um, Anytime you get a group together, there becomes things that, um, that they just do that kind of set them apart. Behaviors, attitudes, actions. And so we as, as Christ followers, there are things that we do, things especially we say, that kind of says the part that nobody else says. So take a look at this. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but... In moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo. Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's just not enough meat, you know? Are they non to non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. So I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah, well bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. <laughs> I like some of you are like, can I laugh at this? This is funny, but I'm not sure that I can laugh. I'm in church. We do things, we say things that nobody else outside of the Christian faith were like, be like, what are you talking about, right? This is the idea of being set apart. Set apart and looking different, right? So as we look at the nation of Israel, as, we, as this new nation is born, here's this reality that this new nation is set apart for God. God sets us apart. We're going to be in Exodus, um, Exodus 19, Exodus 20, we're a little bit in Leviticus, all, the, all that scripture will be up on the, uh, the screen, Okay. We want to look at how, how God has setting apart this nation for him so that he can pursue humanity as we run, right? All right, so Exodus 19, 3 through 6. Uh, 
Moses is, is going up on Mount Sinai. If you, if you saw the little video there, he's up in the mountain, up in the cloud. And, and this is what is going on. It says that then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then all the nations you'll, out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of, peace, of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Leviticus 11.45 um, goes with this and says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. This term holy, right? Often we think uh, 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 perfect and it's not really what holiness means. Um, there's a kind of part of it, but holiness really means to be set apart. God says, I am set apart. I am different than any other God. I am different than anything else you will ever worship. I am God Almighty. I am set apart, and you are to be set apart also. This new nation must look different than the rest of the nations. This nation of Israel was born into Egypt, right? The 12 tribes, the 12 brothers, Joseph saves them in Egypt, uh, and, and they grew up there. At this point, we have uh, over 600,000 men. Uh, that are over 20, probably looking at 1 to 1.5 million people, depending on kind of who you, who you talk to. But they, they were raised up, they, 400 years they spent in Egypt, in a pagan nation, uh, around pagan worship, around pagan people uh, who don't know God. And it says, so this new nation has got to be set apart. They've got to do things differently. They must look different from the rest of the nation. And the only way to look different is to act different. And to act different, God's got to guide them. And so we go through these sets of rules and guidelines, these regulations that are to guide the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, into being set apart. And the, the famous one is the Ten Commandments, right? Um, there's all kinds, but the ones we, we come back to is the Ten Commandments. And he, here they are, Exodus 21 through 17. It says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in uh, the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord, your, the, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh Day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens uh, and the earth, the Lord, uh, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother. So, uh, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, uh, house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his female or male servants, his donkey 
or ox or anything that belongs to your neighbor. If you get into your Bible, uh, the story kind of skips over some things. But if you get into your Bible, you'll, you'll go through all these regulations um, that you see, these rules and regulations for living. And the purpose of all of this is to be set apart. And there's three kind of general categories. You have um, uh, ways that we are to act towards God. That's the first, first four of the uh, Ten Commandments. How are we to act towards God? The other six of the Ten Commandments is how we are to act towards others. And then uh, the rest of them, a lot, most of them, is how do we stay clean? How do we stay clean uh, versus uncleanliness? And here's the idea. Um, much of the actions that, that we would deem that God says, these are unclean. These, these are not actions that you do to be set apart and to be holy because they've learned them from all these other pagan cultures, from Egypt, from where they're at. So God's saying, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to guide you because you don't know. You need to do this, but not this, because this is, this is how we are to be set apart. This is how you're going to look different from the other nations. Um, a lot of eating and cooking behaviors, uh, living behaviors, uh, marital behaviors, uh, how to deal with sicknesses and sores and injuries, um, property stuff, all these ways you're going to behave a certain way. You're going to be a certain way. You're going to look a certain way so that you look different than the rest of the nations. You'll be set apart for me. The goal for God wasn't to put a thumb down wasn't to take fun out of stuff, but God wanted them to become what he already saw them as. God saw the nation of Israel as his possession, his, his treasure, his precious people. And, and these rules, these commandments, were to guide the nation of Israel into becoming what God already saw them as. Now, as anything grows, as you, um, if you are, do any kind of gardening or any kind, anything to do with plants, right? Uh, whenever you grow something, uh, often wild things kind of shoot out everywhere, right? And what do you have to do to those things? You got to prune them, right? No different from us, no different from the nation of Israel. They, it was born in this, this pagan culture. It was brought out, and there's some wild shoots that happen. So let's take a look at uh, Exodus 32, 22. See, new growth must be pruned, and um, there's some pruning that needs to happen. Uh, starting at verse 22, it says, Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how, these, how prone these people are to evil. I'm going to pause there for a second. Moses is on the mountain for 40 days. It took about two or three weeks, and, and the nation of Israel is like a, uh, a middle school kid on Mountain Dew. Like, no attention span, right? They get restless, they get, they, you know, things aren't quite what they, they need something to see to worship, and, and they go after it, and they, they are going to talk to Aaron, and they're going to demand some things, and they're going to end up partying and just living in complete debauchery. They, they do everything that you would never think that they should do, because they just, they need to see something. So, uh, Moses comes down and see this, sees this, and he's talking to Aaron. Aaron says, they said to me, make us gods who go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us about Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. They gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. 
Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is, the, is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Israelite Levites rallied to him. They said to, he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and, and that day, about 3,000 of the people died. I want to be honest with you. Um, that's uncomfortable for me. There are acts of God and natures that God has that I don't fully understand and make me uncomfortable. This is hard. When we, when we step down into the lower story on this, and we're in the camp of, of the Israelites, that's a hard pruning right there. When we think about it from an upper level, we, we get the advantage, right, to, to be able to step back into the upper story and look at it. Um, if people are allowed to behave and to continue behaving like they want to, like they learned in these other nations, then they're going to lead all of Israel astray. And they'll never be set apart. So there must be pruning. It's not comfortable, but it is required. You see, these old habits are hard to break. I mean, you guys have heard the term, uh, or, or maybe you said it, uh, I'm going to drop it like a bad habit. May you ever said that or heard that, right? You know what that means? You're never going to drop it, right? Because how many, of you, how many of you just drop a bad habit? How many of you guys decide just on the one day, that's it, I'm done doing that? No, no, they, what I heard, like 28 days, you have, to, you have consecutive uh, change behavior for like 28 days. I'm going to tell you, because um, I've done it, I love Dr. Pepper and Coke. I love my from Dr. Pepper. And I've gone without it for 28 days, and it didn't leave. Because <laughs> I walked by a, fountain, a soda fountain and go, oh yeah, I know what that, that, you know. It doesn't, bad habits don't just drop or Addicts would only need to be in recovery for 28 days, right? Old habits don't drop. You have to cut them out. You have to be ruthless with it. Otherwise, it leads you astray. If they're allowed to persist, it's not good. And remember that the good of this nation is the good of humanity. This nation is how God is pursuing mankind, and so for the good of this nation and humanity, pruning must happen. The other thing to realize is that these people had seen God in action every day since they left Egypt. Cloud by day, fire by night. Uh, they seen the clouds on Mount Sinai. They heard him speak to Moses. They watched as the waters of the Red Sea part ways to dry ground and then walk through that and have the waters come back on top of the chariots of Egypt. They saw God at work. But in two weeks, three weeks, they went, huh, I'll go back to my own habits. That's hard. But pruning had to take place. And, there, you know, the other, other side of that is, you know, we all deserve that. We all deserve to be pruned from God's family. We all deserve death because all of us in our rebellion and running from God have chosen death over life. God is life, and if you choose anything other than God, you're choosing death. God's not kicking you there. We choose it. We, in our own rebellion, prefer death 
over life, but God is gracious. And he's gracious with the nation of Israel, even in his pruning, because he does it to redeem the nation. He does it to, to hold the nation to himself, even in the hard time. When you spend time with God, it becomes obvious. When the nation of Israel spent time with God, then the world saw them as set apart. We see this in Moses. When Moses spends time with God, something happens to him. We pick this up in Exodus 34, 28. Uh, It says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses looked different. I, I keep trying to picture this. I, it, it's kind of funny in my mind, but Moses' face glowed. It's the only way we can, it, it was radiant to the point of glowing. It freaked out the Israelites, Right? He would put a veil on because people just could not deal with him looking that different. And when it would fade, he'd spend time away from God, and it would fade, and he'd go back in, take the veil off, and he'd be with God, and he'd be radiant again. He'd come back out and put the veil back on. Time with God was obvious. It was obvious for Moses when he had spent time with God. Moses looked different. Moses acted different. Moses led differently. We see Moses leading Joshua eventually to take over as as head over the Israelites. Moses was different. Time with God makes us different. Now, something that I saw in all of this that I did not see until I was studying it, okay, Um, and that's this. We are a parallel to the nation of Israel. Our personal relationship with Christ is parallel to the nation of God. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, as, as we wrap up quickly, we're going to go back through these three points, right? But we're going to look at them from a New Testament perspective, from a personal relationship with Christ perspective. So I want you to do, um, I, I couldn't figure out how to do these on the slides. In your notes, if you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to have some different scripture up on the screen. And, and want you to write down beside that the new scripture because it, it, they parallel each other, okay? Um, so beginning with the idea that we are set apart, uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1.15, 115 through 16, and 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You can see up on the screen, okay? I'm going to read this, and I want you to hear the language and how similar it is, almost exactly what is said to the Israelites from God, starting at 115 through 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, here's Leviticus, be holy because I am holy. Peter says, be set apart. God is set apart. Jesus has set you apart. So we're to be set apart. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are a people of God. In the same way the nation of Israel became a people out of Abraham, out of Isaac, out of Jacob, out of the 12 tribes, they became a nation. Out of that, those 12 tribes came our one Savior, Jesus, and in him now we have become the nation. 
We individually together are God's holy nation, holy priesthood set apart for him. For Israel, the Holy Spirit and God resided in the tabernacle, resided in the, in the area called the most holy of holies, uh, lived, resided above the Ark of the Covenant. But when Christ died and, and that veil was ripped and Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came down and resi- now resides in us. What used to be the temple now is our body. We now are the temple. We now have God inside of us. We now are the people of God. And the rules that guided the nation's new behaviors that would help them to be set apart, those rules are now a relationship that we have with Jesus. And the daily sacrifices of imperfect animals given by imperfect people to to cover our sins imperfectly for a short time is now one sacrifice from the one perfect man, Jesus, who is God's one and only son, so that uh, our sins can be covered once and for all when we accept his gift of grace through faith. We now are that nation. And just, that like, just like that nation, God prunes us, Right? When we are born again, when we accept Christ and we are born again, Scripture says that you are born once of water, that is, that is our natural birth, and then you are born once again of the Spirit when you accept Christ, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, when you confess and you believe and you, uh, you walk through the waters of baptism out of obedience, we are born again, this new spirit, and we become new babes in, in the Word, right? New babies, we were, said we're infants, And as we grow, and as anything grows, it must be pruned. God pruned and had to prune the nation of Israel. He had to go through and cut out parts of it. And often in our life, there are parts that we have to cut out. Matthew 5, 29 through 30, Jesus speaks this way. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Paul says it this way. He says, everything I gained, everything that I ever considered considered good, every success I've ever had, every accomplishment I've ever made, I now consider garbage in regards to Christ. Often in our life, we go through hard times and and God takes us through hard places and God calls us to do hard things and and, and removing that which is dead in our life. That's what God had to do with the nation nation of Israel. He had to remove the dead parts. He had to cut them out and God does the same thing in our hearts. But now it's us individually. And he doesn't come through and run us through with, it with a sword, thankfully. But he calls us to, to prune and to cut and to remove and to grow us in different ways. But he does it for our good. He does it for us to be set apart so that we look and act and are different from this world. 
that pruning comes from time spent with God. And when we spend time with the Father, when we spend time with the Son, when we spend time in our Word, when we spend time talking to the Holy Spirit, it should be obvious in our life. As we spend time with God and as he prunes us and as he shapes us and as he molds us, as he cuts away the dead and he grows what is living in us, it should be obvious to others. And maybe our face is not going to radiate in the supernatural way, but we should as a people. We should individually look and be different than the world around us. If in our attitudes and our actions, if we are not set apart from the world, it's probably because we have not spent time with the Father. And, and the way that looks for us then, as we follow Jesus, Jesus said, what you see in me is from the Father. Now I call you to do what I do so that people, when, when people see you, they see me. And, and the way we see if that's working or not is, is how people react to us. Because people, as they see us, if we are reflecting the sun, if we, as we are pruned and we are grown, we show Jesus and we are set apart the way he was set apart, then people should react to us the same way they reacted to him. How did they react to him? How did people respond to Jesus? Well, the lost were found. The broken found healing. The hurting found comfort. The the unloving found love, the self-righteous found conviction, the prideful found brokenness, the sinful found forgiveness, the lonely found community, those who were cast out found a place to be, those who thought they had it all put together found out that they didn't, and those who realized that everything in their life was junk found worth and value. If we are being Jesus in this world, if we are being holy and set apart like God calls us to be, then people should be reacting to us the same way that they react to Jesus. Are we showing people love who have never seen love? Are we holding to the truth so that conviction is found in those who need it? Are we, are we healing the broken? Are we providing comfort to the hurting? Are we being Jesus in this world? I don't know where you're at in all of this. Maybe um, you've never understood that Jesus is not against you, but he's for you. That Jesus wants to just come into your life and, and, and cut away all that is dead and get rid of all that is broken and to be life in you. And you've never knew that and, and you've never knew you could accept that and find forgiveness and find grace no matter where you've been or what you've done. If you want that, you can have that today. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray a prayer of, of, of confession of who Christ is and, and, uh, and declare a belief in, in him as the son of God to walk through the waters of baptism with you. The water is warm. We have clothes for you. It's always ready. Maybe you're already a believer and you've just realized that your life looks like every other life in this world and that you have not lived a set-apart holy life and you're just wanting prayer, prayer that God would come in and, and, and do his work in you and you don't know where to go. You know what? We do this in community. We don't do this on our own. We don't do this by ourselves. We're always meant, always meant to do this in community. Find me here. Find me at the connection point. Let me know how we can come alongside you and help you. However God is speaking to you, however God is, is moving in you, 
take this time, listen to the Holy Spirit, and respond as you feel led. Let's go ahead and stand up as we pray and sing. Jesus, we just come to you right now, and as the words of, uh, from, your, from your Holy Scripture are spoken to us, as the Holy Spirit takes those words and, and, and uses them and does a work in us, Father, I pray that you would uh, just move us and give us the courage to respond. Thank you that you chase us down, that in our running and in our rebellion, you don't drop us, but you come after us. And in grace, you, you, you guide us and you prune us and you do your work in us so that we can be a blessing for those around us in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.